Amen. All right, we'll be in Psalm 40 this evening. Psalm 40, if you want to begin turning there. I do thank the Lord for being good to us and uh, do want to mention our Bible tables over here. Uh, so a few things got bought this morning, but the prices are in the covers. If you have any questions about them, the Bibles or devotional books, let me know. Devotional books are $20. They don't have the prices in them, except for Pastor Kent's. His are on a bargain price for $10 for Pastor Kent's devotional if you want them. And Brother Rick, did you get some of yours over there? Brother Rick's books are over there. Are yours 20 or 10 or in between? or? Whatever God lays on your heart for Brother Warner Rick's devotional. So uh, we got those over there. So uh, uh, feel free to help yourself to those. A lot of times it's good if you get a devotional to start the year off, you know, to kind of develop that habit of getting into God's Word every day. If you want to give them as a gift or something like that, uh, be sure to look in them. Also on the Bibles, uh, Joel and I were talking about it this morning. I said, I just wish I could put out more because uh, there's a wide variety of what you can get. I just tried to go with survivals, you know, that people would recognize and styles, but if there's something that you want that you would like to have, that uh, you say, I, I would like to have this cover on this Bible or something like that, uh, we might could possibly make that happen. I will tell you one thing that I get asked for a lot that is hard to get. And that is a lot of people ask if I can get thumb index. And now for whatever reason, Thumb index is normally found on lower quality Bibles. When you get into upper end Bibles, high quality Bibles, it is hard to find them in thumb index. I don't know why that is. I did manage to find Joel one a couple of years ago uh, that was thumb index, but I mean, it was like finding a hen's tooth. I mean, it just was hard to find that thing. But uh, anyway, a lot of different varieties and things that we can get for you. So if there's something specific you're looking for, different size print, different layout, or whatever, we'd be Happy to try and find that for you. Uh, Psalm chapter number 40. Psalm chapter number 40. Before we get into here, I remember what else I was going to say. Is do be in prayer for all those that are that are sick. I know there's a lot of young folks that are sick. I know Reagan and Olivia, although Reagan's back home, they're both still got to cough and not doing well. And I know the Browns aren't here today because their children are sick. And I imagine that anybody that has children probably has someone that is sick. I know Kale is still uh, running a fever and uh, the, under the weather. It's a boy, this thing just seems to be going around and affecting a lot of people. So just pray for the families and those that are affected by that. And then pray for Miss Selena uh, with her hip that the Lord will bless and help her and clear up that inflammation and get that taken care of. And then for Miss uh, Cornelia, I know Miss Cornelia's having a lot of pain with healing from her back surgery. And so uh, just remember the folks. Boy, I'm telling you what, there's a lot of folks that are just uh, afflicted with physical ailments. And you know what? God has given us the privilege of prayer that as we as brothers and sisters in Christ can bring these folks before the Lord. And so just let's just be faithful to bring these folks before the Lord and pray one for another. You know, my employer I used to have would always tell me, he said, one person can do one thing, but two people can do three things and three people can do six things. It was kind of his motto, you know, the more people you have, the more you can accomplish. And I believe the same thing works with prayer. You know what? If just one person is praying for their own needs, kind of hard to pray for everything. But boy, whenever we're praying for each other, uh, we can bring our needs before the throne of grace. So let's just lift up one another in prayer. Back to Psalm 40. I'm going to start this time. All righty, Psalm chapter number 40. As we enter the Thanksgiving season and the time of year is uh, when ever we're thinking about Thanksgiving, and of course I know a lot of these ladies are uh, trying to say, you know, that Thanksgiving is a day and Christmas is the season, but I still like to believe that there's a Thanksgiving season. As we head into this Thanksgiving season, you know, and uh, thinking about uh, our gratitude and 
uh, these type of things, I thought it would be beneficial to focus our hearts uh, uh, on an attitude of praise or as many would say, an attitude of gratitude. As you go throughout the Psalms, you'll find many instances of David devoting portions of Psalms or even entire Psalms to the subject of praising God. And one such example is found here in Psalm 40. And so uh, we're going to take a look at this if the Lord allows. Maybe next Sunday night also we'll look at a different Psalm of praise. Uh, But we want to look here at Psalm 40 this evening at this Psalm of praise that David wrote in praise to the Lord. We're going to start in verse number one and read the entire psalm uh, and then we'll pray and get into the message this evening. The Bible says in Psalm 40 verse number one, I waited patiently for the Lord and he inclined unto me and heard my cry. He brought me up also out of an horrible pit, out of the miry clay and set my feet upon a rock and established my goings. And he hath put a new song in my mouth, even praise unto our God. Many shall see it and fear and shall trust in the Lord. Blessed is that man that maketh the Lord his trust and respecteth not the proud, nor such as turn aside to lies. Many, O Lord, my God, are thy wonderful works which thou hast done, and thy thoughts which are to usward, they cannot be reckoned up in order unto thee. If I would declare and speak of them, they are more than can be numbered. Sacrifice and offering thou didst not desire. Mine ears hast thou opened. Burnt offering and sin offering hast thou not required. Then said I, Lo, I come. In the volume of the book it is written of me, I delight to do thy will, O my God. Yea, thy law is within my heart. I have preached righteousness in the great congregation. I have not refrained my lips, O Lord, thou knowest. I have not hid thy righteousness within my heart. I have declared thy faithfulness and thy salvation. I have not concealed thy loving kindness and thy truth from the great congregation. Withhold not thou thy tender mercies from me, O Lord. Let thy loving kindness and thy truth continually preserve me. For innumerable evils have compassed me about. Mine iniquities have taken hold upon me, so that I am not able to look up. They are more than the hairs of mine head, therefore my heart faileth me. Be pleased, O Lord, to deliver me. O Lord, make haste to help me. Let them be ashamed and confounded together that seek after my soul to destroy it. Let them be driven backward and put to shame that wish me evil. Let them be desolate for a reward of their shame that they say unto me, Aha, aha. Let all those that seek thee rejoice and be glad in thee. Let such as love thy salvation say continually, The Lord be magnified. But I am poor and needy. Yet the Lord thinketh upon me, Thou art my help and my deliverer. Make no tarrying, O my God. Let's pray. Father, thank you, Lord, for this day. Lord, I thank you. Uh, Father, Lord, as we come into this season of, uh, Lord, the month of November, Lord, when we have the holiday of Thanksgiving, and Lord, our our hearts begin to be focused uh, on Thanksgiving and giving gratitude and lifting our hearts in praise to you. Father, I thank you, uh, Lord, that you do not lack uh, for reasons uh, that we can praise you. Father, Lord, we do not have to look hard uh, to find uh, uh, evidence uh, of why you should be praised. As a Father... 
Uh, Lord, as we uh, begin through the next few weeks, Father, I pray that you will help us, uh, uh, Lord, to be people that lift our hands up in praise. And Lord, not only this month, but Lord, let us develop uh, within ourselves a habit uh, of lifting our hearts in praise to you. Lord, as we look at this psalm this evening, and Lord, we look at David and the, the praise that he gave to you, Father, I pray that we will learn from it. I pray to you, Lord, that it will challenge us, uh, Lord, in our own thanksgiving and Lord, in our own uh, proclamation of you to others. And Father, I pray that you'll bless. Do be with those, Lord, uh, Father, that have physical ailments and sicknesses and Lord, uh, those that are unable to be here. Lord, I pray that you will be with each one. I pray you touch their bodies. Help them and heal them, Father, I pray. And Lord, we'll thank you in Jesus' name. Amen. And amen. Throughout this psalm, as we read this psalm, we sense an attitude of praise. David is exalting the Lord in this psalm through prayer, through proclamation, and through praise. And so with the Lord's help this evening, I want to take a few minutes and just dig in and uncover the song of David's heart that is revealed through this psalm. The first thing that we see as we get into this psalm is there in verse 1 down through verse number 5 where David is revealed revealing what God has done. He is revealing what God has done. In verse number one, the Bible says, I waited patiently for the Lord and he inclined unto me and heard my, my cry. The first thing that David shows us here that God has done for him is that God heard me. God heard me. He said, I waited patiently. And he said, and the Lord inclined his ear unto me and he heard my cry. I just want to say this evening, if we have nothing else to be thankful for, we can be thankful that the God of heaven has heard our cry. He has inclined his ear unto us. As I mentioned just a little bit ago, and I mentioned it also this morning, that we have a God who has tuned his ear to the needs of his people. And boy, I tell you what, sometimes there are situations in our life that we may want to pray about, but then we look at the situations of others and we're like, but this is significant that my needs is so insignificant in relation to their need. But you know what? God is able to meet my insignificant need and their great need or he's able to meet your insignificant need while he's meeting my great need. He has inclined his ear. He has heard our cry. And David said, I want to reveal to you in this psalm of praise what God has done for me. And the first thing I want to point out to you is that he has heard me. He has listened to me. We see there in verse number two that he goes on and he says, he brought me up also out of a horrible pit, out of the miry clay and set my feet upon a rock. Not only has the Lord heard me, but David reveals not only did the Lord hear my cry, but he also delivered me. He also took care of me. You know what? There have been situations where someone was crying for help. They were in a place of desperation and they were crying for help and someone may have seen their need. They may have heard their cry, but they did not deliver them. A few weeks ago we looked at the parable of the Good Samaritan and there lays the man beaten and in need and 
hurting and we see that two men saw his need. They heard his cry, but they walked by. But then the good Samaritan came and not only did he hear, but he delivered. Uh, David said, I want to reveal to you what God has done for me. He lifted me up out of the mire. He lifted me up out of the clay. He picked me up out of a place where I was stuck or where I was drowning or where I had no ability to move forward. He picked me up and he set me on a rock. David said, I want to reveal to you what God has done for me. He has heard me. He has delivered me. Not only has he heard me and delivered me, but we see in the last part of verse number two that he established me. David said, I want to reveal what God has done for me. He has established me. The last part of verse number two says, and established my goings. You know what the reason that our world is full of people who are given over to addictions, full of people who are given over to taking their own life, people who have given themselves to the vices of sin and of the devil. The reason that people find themselves there often times is because they have no direction. They have lost their focus. They have no, they feel that they have no purpose in life. They feel that, that they have they, they have nowhere to go. And I know that there are other circumstances that will drive people to these things, but as a general rule, whenever people give themselves over to these things, it's because they feel they have no purpose. David said, I want to tell you what God did for me. He gave me purpose. He established me. He established my goings. He gave me something to live for. He gave me a reason to press on. He gave me a reason to, to, to move forward. He got me out of the clay and he established me on a rock. Not only that, but David as he continues to reveal what God has done for him there in verse number three, he points out that God has equipped him. God has equipped him and I love of how God equipped David. In verse number three, David said, and he hath put a new song in my mouth, even praise unto our God. Many shall see it and fear and shall trust in the Lord. Now I'm, being, I'm going to be tempted to run a little bit of a rabbit trail right here so y'all just bear with me as we chase this rabbit a little bit. Uh, but David said not only did he, did he hear me and deliver me and establish me, but he equipped me uh, to be able to affect other people around me. Now we know and we have looked at it and we have preached on it many, many times uh, in that God equips us uh, with a call to spread the gospel. And we have the gospel, we have the truth of the gospel and we can tell people of the hope of salvation but that's not what David focuses on here. He, whenever he talks about God equipping him to be able to make a difference to others, he said he has put a song in my mouth. He has put a new song in my heart. God has given me a song. He's God, so he gave me a reason to sing. David said God has equipped me with a song but then he goes on and he says, many shall see it. Many shall see it. Not hear it. See it. Well, what does he mean that we're going to see the song that is in his heart? How do you see a song? 
I believe David sang a little different than a lot of Christians do nowadays. You know, whenever I read in the Word of God, and David is the songwriter of the Word of God. He wrote the hymnal that God saw fit to preserve in the Holy Word of God. David is the songwriter of the Scriptures. And whenever you read about David singing, he doesn't do it in a calm manner. No, whenever you read about David singing, uh, he dances uh, before the Lord. When you read about David singing, uh, he lifts his holy hands uh, without wrath and doubting. Uh, whenever you read about David singing, he says, Oh, clap your hands, uh, all ye people. Shout aloud with the voice of triumph. Uh, David said, God has equipped me. Uh, he has put a song in my heart. Uh, and it's not just words. Uh, it's not just a melody. It's not just something that I recite uh, to music. Uh, no, it is a passion on the inside of me that bubbles out and affects me. And whenever I am singing to my God, people see it and they fear the almighty God that has equipped me with a song in my heart. Well, I'm telling you what, whenever I watch the spirit of many Christians today during song services, I wonder, do they have a song in their heart? Because when God puts a song in your heart, it can't help but move you a little bit. I'm telling you what, it's, it, I can't sing without moving a little bit. Whenever I'm singing about the Savior, I stayed home with Kel one day this week, I forget which day it was, but we had bought some apples and Melissa was wanting to get her apples done. And so I stayed home with Kel so Melissa could come here and work at the school. And so while I was peeling apples, that old peeler out there peeling apples, I put some music on. And boy, I'm telling you what, Kel was just over there laughing at me because I couldn't get any apples peeled. I'm like, oh, sing it, brother, sing it. Praise the Lord, glory to God. And I'm peeling a lap. Hallelujah. Man, I love this song. Let's hit replay right there. I'm peeling another apple. I mean, I was having a time because the words of the song, the melody of the song was resonating with my soul and was communicating between me and the Father. And I was worshiping the Father. David said, uh, he equipped me uh, to make an effect on the people around me and what he equipped me with uh, was a song of worship in my heart. He equipped me with a song. We see that he, he heard me, he delivered me, he established me, he equipped me. What else has God done for me? David said uh, in verse number four, he has sustained me. Blessed is the man that maketh the Lord his trust. David said, I have found something to lean on that is not going to give away. I have found something that I can rest on, that I can depend on, that I know it is not going to fail. Blessed is the man that maketh the Lord his trust because you can count on him, you can lean on him, and he will sustain you. David's revealing what God has done for him. And one more thing that David reveals that God has done for him in verse number 5. This is probably my favorite one of all. David says in verse 5, Many, O Lord my God, are thy wonderful works which thou hast done, and thy thoughts which are to usward. 
they cannot be reckoned up in order unto thee. If I would declare and speak of them, they are more than can be numbered. David said he heard me, he delivered me, he established me, he equipped me, he sustained me. He said, but let me tell you, he spoils me. He spoils me. He said, I'm one to reveal to you what God has done for me. You know what? Whenever an old sinner says, what is it about that church that makes you keep going back? Why do you keep going to that church? Why do you keep listening to that preacher? Why do you keep listening to these songs? Why is it that you keep doing these things? Say, well, I just want to tell you that he spoils me. The Savior that I serve, he spoils me. You know what? I think maybe we'd have a little more effect on people if we would talk in a little more realistic terms. Uh, God has spoiled me. David said, if I were to write down all the things that he has done for me, uh, or if I was to write down uh, all the wonderful thoughts that he has about me, uh, we wouldn't be able to write enough books to contain all that God has done or all that God has thought about me. David said, let me reveal what God has done for me. He spoils me. He has spoiled me. We look at this song of praise and I believe we can see some reasons right away why you and I could begin to exalt the Lord. Some reasons we could lift our voices in praise. Some reasons that we could offer an offering of thanksgiving because God has been good to me. You know what? There are those who have tried to paint a picture of God as being harsh and cruel and judgmental. Many people live in fear. If I mess up, if I do something wrong, and we ought to do our best to live right before God, but many people are just trembling that God is harsh and cruel. But you know what David said? I can't write a book big enough to contain all the nice things that God thinks about me. Boy, whenever you begin to think about who God is and who I am, and you begin to realize that His thoughts towards me are full of mercy and goodness and kindness and blessings that He wants to pour out on me. David said, as I reveal to you what God has done for me, let me tell you that He has spoiled me. Next of all, we see not only David revealing what the Lord has done, but in verse 6 down through verse number 10, we see David rejoicing in what God is doing. Rejoicing in what God is doing. I have plenty of things that I can give God thanks for, for what he has done, what was done in the past. I can thank him for my salvation. I can thank him that I was born into a Christian family. I can thank him that he came and died on Calvary's cross and shed his blood for me. There's plenty of things that are past tense that I can thank God for. And David listed many of these things. But there are also many things that are present tense that I can thank God for. This is not just a memory. This relationship with Christ Christ is not something that just happened and is over with. This fellowship with Christ is not something that changed who I was and then I stayed in a stagnant state. Oh no, that was a past tense, but there is also a present tense of giving glory to God. First of all, we see that David is delighting in his will. For Psalm 40 and verse number 8, David said, I delight to do thy will, O 
my God. You say, well now how is that? How is it that this is what God is doing when we're talking about what David is doing? Well, do you know that the best place, the best place that any Christian can be is in the will of God. And whenever you find yourself in the will of God, you will find yourself in the happiest place that you have ever been. There's a lot of Christians who seem not to be able to find the joy of the Lord. They seem to not be able to find any happiness. They seem to think that Christianity is just a bunch of rules and regulations. They think that there's no joy that can be had here but the problem is not Christianity the problem is Christians trying to live straddling the fence they're trying to live with one foot in the world and one foot in righteousness they're trying to get the best of both and they're miserable but if they were to learn to live in the will of God they would find themselves at the most blessed state they have ever been in David apparently understood that because David said I delight to do thy will. Lord, I have realized that whenever I am living according to the will of God, you are pouring your blessings out on me. I am having joy unspeakable and full of glory. I am experiencing peace that passeth all understanding. There is nothing like living in the will of God. David said, I delight to do thy will all my God, not only is he delighting in his will, but we see that he's depending upon his word. There in verse number 8, he said, I delight to do thy will, O God. Yea, thy law is within my heart. He is depending on the word of God. Do you know the Bible, and I know I talk about this a lot, but it's worth talking about because this is the most wonderful book in the world. But do you know that the Bible is unique from any other piece of literature that's ever been written in that it remains applicable through all the generations. Through all the generations. I enjoy outdoor. I'm a... I'm a, a uh, imaginary outdoorsman these days. I don't do it much, but I still like to read about it. I enjoy the outdoors. The, the bushcraft, they call it, when you go out in the woods and you build your shelters and, you know, you whip things and make things out in the woods and live off of the land and these type of things. I, I enjoy reading about that. And every now and again, I'll be at a used bookstore or something and I'll find a, I'll find a, a copy of a, of a book that was written in the 50s or 60s. And I'll say, huh, let's, let's take a look at that. And I'll flip through it, Brother Ted, and realize it's outdated. We don't do it like that anymore. We've learned better ways. We've found different methods. And although it's cool to see how they used to do it, it really doesn't apply anymore. And boy, you can go through and we could look at many, many different things and we can find that literature gets outdated. As time passes, we look back on it for its historical benefit, but it is no longer applicable to our current day and time. But this book is always 
applicable. Now for generations, matter of fact, uh, as long as this book has been in existence, uh, there has been people uh, who have contested this book. Uh, there have been people uh, who tried to uh, say that this book no longer applied. Uh, they have tried to say that the principles in this book were no longer valid. Uh, they have tried to say that the methods uh, whereby the, law, the Bible teaches uh, that we are to conduct our life no longer work. Uh, but the truth of the matter is uh, those who have finally realized uh, that the book was applicable and began living by the book, realized that it did still work. You know, I've become very amused at people who decide that they're going to contest the Bible. And they come out with a new philosophy. Now, I'm not very old yet, but I've lived long enough that whenever they begin presenting this new philosophy, I say to myself, I remember when they presented that 20 years ago. And the Bible proved true. And yet here they are presenting it again, trying to say that the Bible doesn't work, the Bible doesn't apply, it's not applicable, what it teaches doesn't work in our day, and yet we find out over and over and over and over again that the Bible will work. How can we say that this is David delighting in what God is doing? It's because this book is alive, and when you live by this book, it is going to continue to bless your life. It is going to continue to bless the way that you live. It's going to reveal to you a bountiful blessings. God will bless you through His Word yesterday, today, and forever. It's alive and it will always work. David I am delighting in what He's doing because I'm depending upon His Word. Not only that, David said, I'm rejoicing in what He's doing. He said, because I'm declaring his ways. I'm declaring his ways. There in verse 9 and verse number 10, David said, I have preached righteousness in the great congregation. Lo, I have not refrained my lips, O Lord, thou knowest. I have not hid thy righteousness within my heart. I have declared thy faithfulness and thy salvation. I have not concealed thy loving kindness and thy truth from the great congregation. David said, I have declared the ways of God. I believe we could take these two verses and we could preach an entire message on the importance of proclaiming the truths of the Word of God. David said, I have not refrained my lips, O Lord, thou knowest. When I look at that phrase, it makes me realize the truth that our proclamation of the things of God is not to be determined determined or governed by the approval of man, but it is to be done for the glory of God. David said, I've not refrained my lips. Lord, you know I have proclaimed your way. I proclaimed your righteousness to the great congregation. I have told them of you and who you are. He said, I have declared thy faithfulness. I have let the world know that you have been faithful to me. I have declared your salvation. I've told them of your loving kindness. I've told them of thy truth. We see here that David is rejoicing in what he's doing in that he's declaring his ways. The same truth of the word of God that made a difference in my life is still able to make a difference in the lives of others. Well, I tell you, sometimes, sometimes I believe we lose confidence in the power of of the Word of God. 
we know that we believe it and we know that it changed our life, but we have trouble believing that it can change their life. They're just so bad. They're just so gone. They're so invested in the things of this world and we begin to doubt the power of God. Let me give you a revealing statement. If the Bible's strong enough to change me, it's strong enough to change them. If the Bible is strong enough to bring a change in your life, it is strong enough to bring a change in anyone's life. And we can proclaim the ways of God because God is still saving sinners. He is still bringing people to the light. He is still showing people that there is hope and there are people still every day giving their life to the Lord Jesus Christ. David said, I can rejoice in what you're doing. He said, I can declare the way of righteousness, faithfulness, salvation, loving kindness, and truth. And third, we see David in verse 11 down through verse number 17 making requests for what God will do. Making request for what God will do. We look in verse 11 down through verse number 13 and we see David praying concerning his own sin. Boy, I'm telling you what, this is some good stuff. He says in verse 11 to 13, Withhold not thy tender mercy from me, O Lord. Let thy loving kindness and thy truth continually preserve me. For innumerable evils have compassed me about. Mine iniquities have taken hold upon me so that I am not able to look up. They are more than the hairs of mine head. Therefore my heart faileth me. Be pleased, O Lord, to deliver me. O Lord, make haste to help me. We see David's prayer regarding his own sin. There's three things that David prays for in this prayer regarding his own sin. He said there, he said there in verse number 12, mine iniquities have taken hold upon me. So we know that this is David struggling with his own weaknesses, his own temptations, uh, the things that uh, take him away from the Lord, the things that separate him from his relationship with Christ. And David said, I have some request concerning my own weaknesses. I, I'm bringing some prayer before you concerning my own temptations uh, and my own sin. And we see that that there's three things that David prays for. First of all, we see that he prays for mercy. Withhold not thou thy tender mercy from me, O Lord. You know what? We have a terrible habit. Instead of going to the Lord, asking for his mercy in regard to our iniquity, we go to the Lord trying to justify our iniquity. We go to the Lord and say, Lord, uh, you know that I wouldn't have done this if it had not been for this and this and this. Uh, Lord, you know I wouldn't struggle with this uh, if it hadn't been for uh, the things that happened in my past. Lord, you know uh, that this is not something uh, that would give me any problems uh, if it had not been for that situation. Uh, and we go to the Lord trying to find uh, uh, his appeasement or appease him uh, by justifying why we are struggling with this iniquity. David gives us a good lesson on how we ought to pray about our sin. David starts out and says, Lord, I know I'm guilty. Lord, I know that I'm failing. 
I know that I'm weak. I know that I am overcome. And so, Lord, I am coming to you and I am asking first off, first of all, that you will bestow your mercy upon me. Lord, I am worthy of whatever judgment you want to pour out on me. I am worthy of whatever correction you want to pour out on me. So, Lord, I am coming to you first, acknowledging that I need your mercy. I need you to bestow your mercy. Withhold not your mercy from me, oh Lord. Lord, I am not anything in comparison to you. I am just a filthy, a weak, dirty human being. And Lord, without you, I am nothing. So as I come to you in prayer, I come asking for your mercy regarding my failings as a human being. You know what? It sure changes the way that our interaction with God takes place when we come to Him acknowledging who we are and who He is. The Bible says... that he will he will bless the humble, but he will judge the proud. He blesseth the humble. And when we come to him in a spirit of humility, acknowledging our wrongdoing, asking for his mercy, recognizing that we are at his mercy. Boy, I'm telling you what, God will connect with us. Not only does he pray for mercy, but second of all, he prays for security. He prays for security. He says, Withhold not thy tender mercy from me, O Lord. Then he says, Let thy loving kindness and thy truth continually preserve me. David teaches us something in the Psalms. He teaches us about praying the promises of God. Now this is not saying that I am taking the promise of God and I am holding it over God's head, forcing God to do something. No, no, this is just claiming the promise. David said, Lord, I know I am nothing. I know that I have failed you. I know that there are weaknesses. I know there are iniquities in my life. Lord, I'm coming to you asking you for mercy. And Lord, I'm asking that your loving kindness that loving, that love that you have for me that causes you to want to bestow kindness upon me. He said, I'm asking that your loving kindness and your truth will preserve me. David is claiming the promises of God that God had said that despite the fact that he wasn't everything he ought to be, that there was a way of redemption. There was a way of purification. And David is saying, "Put bestow your mercy upon me, and Lord, I am depending upon your character to preserve me. I'm not depending upon my own goodness. I'm not depending upon my own merit. But I am depending upon your character, your loving kindness, your truth to be my security. You know what? It would help us all if we would quit looking to ourselves and we would start looking to God and the promises of God for our security. David prays for mercy. He prays for security. And then number three, he prays for deliverance. He says in verse number 13, Be pleased, O Lord, to deliver me. O Lord, make haste to help me. 
You see, David understood who he was. He understood where he was. He understood how he lined up in relation with God. But David didn't want to stay there. He said, Lord, in regards to my weakness, deliver me. Lord, help me to overcome these temptations. Help me, Lord, to overcome these weaknesses. Help me, Lord, give me the strength to set aside these things in my life that are not what they ought to be. Lord, I pray that you'll deliver me. Deliver me from sin. Deliver me from temptation. You know what? If you're praying and asking the Lord to deliver you from temptation and you are praying it from a sincere heart, you'll be amazed how it will affect your own demeanor whenever temptation walks across your path. Lord, I'm praying regarding my sin that you'll show mercy. I'm praying regarding my sin that you will be my security. And Lord, I'm praying regarding my sin that you will deliver me. Not only did he pray regarding his sin, but he also prayed regarding his enemies. He prayed regarding his enemies. In verse 14 and 15, David said, Let them be ashamed and confounded together that seek after my soul to destroy it. Let them be driven backward and put to shame that wish me evil. Let them be desolate for a reward of their shame that say unto me, Aha, aha. Now I have to say that here in the United States of America, we're a blessed people in that we don't experience the enemies of the gospel like many Christians do. There are times when we may face some mild persecution, and I believe there are some overzealous people who try to create persecution. But we face very little persecution and many times when we read these prayers about our enemies, if we're not careful, we'll misapply them. David is talking about those that are against him, against what he is doing. And he has four requests regarding his enemies. He asks the Lord that he will let them be ashamed. They are they are coming against a righteous cause. Therefore, bring shame in their life because of the wrong direction that they are pursuing. You know, it's not wrong to pray for those, pray against those who are against the gospel. They are coming against the gospel. I'm praying, Lord, that you make them ashamed of what they are doing. Not only that, David says, let them be ashamed and confounded. He said, confuse them. Confuse them. And boy, I'm telling you what, whenever I look at some of the, the, the conversations of the wicked in these days, I believe somebody must be praying that they get confused because they don't make a lot of sense sometimes. David says, let them be ashamed. Let them be confused. Let them be confounded. He said, let them be driven backward. I believe he's praying for their defeat. And then he says in verse number 15, let them be desolate for a reward of their shame. David prays regarding his enemies that they will come to shame, to confusion, to defeat and desolation. I believe that we whenever there are those who are coming against the gospel, I believe that we can also pray that God will bring those to shame, to confusion, to defeat, and to desolation. But then we see that David also prays in verse number 16 regarding the saints. In verse number 16, he says, Let all those that seek thee rejoice. 
and be glad in thee. Let such as love thy salvation say continually, the Lord be magnified. He prayed for his enemies that they would come to shame and confusion, but he prayed for the saints. He said, Lord, there's three things that I want you to do for my fellow believers. I want you to fill them with joy. I want you to fill them with rejoicing. Let all those that seek thee rejoice and be glad in thee. He said, whenever I'm praying for my fellow saints, Lord, I'm praying that you give them joy. I pray that you fill them with gladness, and I pray that you fill their hearts with praise. This is my prayer for my fellow saints, that they have lives of joy, gladness, and praise. You know what? That's the prayer that we ought to make one for another. Lord, give, give them joy, give them peace, uh, uh, give them gladness, uh, uh, give them, give them uh, a satisfaction in their heart, uh, give them the ability to rejoice, uh, uh, bring praise into their life, uh, answer their prayers, uh, meet their needs, uh, that they may be able to rejoice. In thee, David prayed uh, for the fellow saints uh, that they would have joy and gladness and praise. But then in verse number 17, David prayed regarding himself. And I love this verse. David says, but I, he's just prayed for his fellow saints that they'll have joy and gladness and praise. And then he says, but I, here's the situation I find myself in, but I am poor and needy. Yet the Lord thinketh upon me. Well, I'm telling you that right there ought to make you just jump out your seat and run around the pew a time or two. I am poor and needy. I am in a sorry state. I am, I, I am nothing to brag about. I have nothing to, to flaunt myself about. I am poor and needy. There's nothing great. There's nothing to be recognized. There's nothing to notice here. I am poor and needy, but the Lord thinketh upon me. Remember a few verses earlier, he said if we was to write all the thoughts that he's had about me, uh, the books couldn't contain them. He said, I am poor and needy. I am worthless. I am no good. Yet the Lord thinketh upon me. Uh, David here regarding himself, uh, he says, but I am poor and needy. Yet the Lord thinketh upon me. Thou art my help and my deliverer. Make no tarrying, O my God. I see here that as David prays concerning himself, first of all, he makes an honest assessment. You know what? That'd do us real good in our prayer life if we started off with an honest assessment. <laughs> David says, but I am poor and needy. He makes an honest assessment of himself. You know what? It does us no good to brag about ourselves to God because he knows exactly who we are. Now, I might be able to brag to you. I might be able to tell a big story. I might be able to convince you that I'm something that I'm not, but I can't do that with God. The best way to approach God is with an honest assessment. And David goes before the Lord and he says, I am poor and needy. But not only did he make an honest assessment, but he, we see here uh, that he had an humble awareness, uh, yet the Lord 
thinketh upon me. I know who I am, but I know who he is. I know where I am, but I know where he is. I know what I can accomplish, but I know what he can accomplish. David said, I know that I am nothing, but greater is he that is in me than he that is in the world. He made an honest assessment, but he had an humble awareness of the greatness of his God. And then regarding himself, he prayed for a hasty arrival. He said, Thou art my help and my deliverer. Make no tarrying, O my God. Now think about Pharaoh when they had the land was covered with frogs. He said to Moses, Get rid of these frogs. And Moses said, When do you want rid of the frogs? And Pharaoh said, Tomorrow. I've never been able to wrap my mind around that. Why would you wait until tomorrow to be rid of the frogs? Never have I been able to figure that out. But you know what? People are perpetual procrastinators. Some are worse than others. But whenever it comes to things that we do not want to do, we all tend to procrastinate. Even when it comes to our spiritual well-being, we tend to procrastinate. I know I need to work on this area in my life. I know that I need help in this area. I know I need to grow in this area. I'll get to it. David said, Lord, you are my help. You are my deliverer. If I'm going to get victory in this area, I need you, so make no tarrying. I need you, and I need you now. Make no tarrying. David, when he prayed for himself, he prayed with an honest assessment. He prayed with an humble awareness and he prayed for a hasty arrival. As we look at this psalm, we see a psalm of praise. David recognized in this psalm who he was. David recognized in this psalm who God was. And because he had his perspective right, it was not difficult to lift his arms to God in praise. We live in a day when many people are indebted. They feel like they should have more than what they've got, and they go through life discontented, always wishing they had something else. Many times as Christians, we tend to focus on what we don't have instead of what we do have. And we get focused on what we don't have and we begin to get a bitterness in our heart towards God when if we were to turn the focus around and recognize who we are and who He is and we would get our perspective right, we would find that there is no end of the things that we can thank Him for. There's the song, Count Your Blessings. Count your many blessings. Name them one by one. We used to sing that in church when I was a kid. The pastor would stop us after the verse and he'd say, all right, we need to count our blessings. And normally it would start a little slow, people trying to think of something to be thanking the Lord for. But by the third or fourth verse, that thing would be picking up momentum. And I mean, people would be thanking God for everything. Thank him for the carpet. Thank him for my spoon and fork. Thank him for thanking, thanking. And I'm telling you what, then the preacher would have to stop them. So we could go on with the service. You know what? If you was to get in the habit of just thanking God, you would find out that the books couldn't hold all the wonderful things 
that he has done for you. Psalms of praise. Hopefully this has been a challenge to you this evening. Let's pray. Father, Lord, I thank you for this day. I thank you for your goodness. I thank you, Lord, of who you are. I thank you, Lord, that you are our help and our deliverer. I thank you, dear Lord, that you do bestow your mercy upon us. I thank you, dear Lord, that we can be secure in your promises. I thank you, dear Lord, that whenever we recognize who you are and where we are, that, Father, Lord, we understand the greatness of the goodness that you've bestowed upon us. Help us, dear Lord, as we go through this week. Lord, we will have hearts that are filled with praise. Lord, that we will have, as many have said, an attitude of gratitude for the goodness of God in our lives. Thank you, dear Lord, for your goodness. Thank you, Lord, for this group of people. Thank you, Lord, for the opportunity to meet together in your house. Thank you for your word and how it ministers to our heart. Be with us now. Help us, Lord, to be a witness. Help us to tell others of the goodness of God that others might find the joy unspeakable that we are able to experience. Bless us throughout this week, and Father, we'll praise you in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Thank you all. You are dismissed.